Welcome to a new season. We start off season three with an amazing episode of our Meet the CEO series. Laura Kagame, CEO of Chavaneza, joins us for this episode. She runs a company whose mission is to curate breathtaking journeys that not only take you to awe-inspiring destinations, but also bring out the fun, excitement, and luxury that you deserve. On this episode, she talks about why there needs to be sustained investment in the marketing of Uganda as a destination and the visa huddle and how it's stifling travel options for consumers. Meet Laura Kagame, CEO of Travelneza. From over 1,200 cities and 130 countries, KI Africa brings you the Good Morning Africa podcast. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard Joe Pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ruth Dong. Meet the CEO is brought to you by Digital Africa, helping African solutions emerge. Who is Laura Kagame? Laura is a lady who I'm the first of four children. I am a mother of one child, a boy who is 11 years now. He, he fills up a lot of my world. I keep saying my one arm is Shema, the other arm is Travel Neza. <laughs> who else is Laura? Laura has studied and done, you know, tourism most of her life. It's what she knows the most. I'm one of those people who you know, in COVID days when um, everyone was now trying everything else, I was like, my goodness, what else do I even know how to do? I only knew how to do tourism, um, travel-related, you know, businesses, basically. But now I'm getting into the business side. Back to who Laura is. I think that that shows you who Laura is. I end up going back into that. I am very much about Travelneza. To many people, I am Laura Travelneza. Talk to us about the journey of setting up Travelneza. You know, it's weird. I've just always known that I wanted to do something travel related. As a child, I was um, lucky, uh, privileged enough to travel quite a bit uh, with the family. We, you know, even grew up in different uh, parts of the world. And my father worked for an international organization. So I just loved the travel bit of it. So much so that they, um, they used to call me Muchara Rujendo. Now, in Kenyanda, that means a, a woman that just wants to travel all the time and all the time. I used to scream when I when, when would be approaching home. And, and, you know, that's terrible, by the way, because home was not a bad place. I just really liked being out there. So um, it started with me wanting to be a flight attendant. Uh, but, you know, I think by now, even just looking at me, I'm not one of the prim and proper. <laughs> so everyone around me knew that there's absolutely no way that this girl could ever you know, flourish in that field. So anyway, I was introduced to the business side um, of uh, the airline industry. I got to know that there was just so much more that one could do in the travel industry. By the time of, you know, even applying for what to do in university, I already knew that I was going to do tourism. Listen, there was never any other option. I knew that I was going to do tourism. So I ended up uh, in a school in Johannesburg called Midrand Graduate Institute that actually specialized, not really specialized, but um, its tourism department was very, very, very focused on, um, it had a very practical approach to its time. So lucky me, I got to travel quite a bit in South Africa. I got to learn, I had, I got, I, I had so many internship um, opportunities. I just by the time I was done, I had literally worked in quite a number of places. I very quickly got employed in a travel company that was, you know, dealt with pretty much what I'm doing now, uh, holiday packages. And I absolutely 
loved it. I loved creating um, packages for people, just sending people on holiday. You're basically dealing with happy people. I've always enjoyed just dealing with the leisure side of holiday. Along the way, I ended up in the airline industry. Um, Rondair was hiring in uh, South Africa. I just happened to be there. I Well, not just happened to be there, but I was actually qualified um, because I knew quite a number of uh, the travel companies there. And uh, so I enjoyed doing that, but I just always, always wanted to go back to creating packages. Yes, the airline does that also, but it's just one component of it. You know, it's just the transport bit of it. And uh, unfortunately, our African airlines have not uh, really developed the, the, the leisure side of it like um, like Emirates Holidays has, for example. I think if, if uh, that department was there, I would have been more enthusiastic about it. So um, I've just made a decision that um, once I was transferred to Uganda, I would then you know, after some time, start my own company. It's very difficult to do that um, out, out, of, out of your home country. It's not that easy to start a business out there. So it had to be when I was, you know, back in Uganda. And uh, true to the word, as soon as I could, I, I started Travelneza and it was a hit from the very beginning. What goes into creating a travel package? Well, the first thing, um, yes, experience is a very big um, thing, but... To me, you know, uh, something that is very hard for people to put a finger on is just the passion, how passionate I am about it. And because of how passionate I am about travel, I literally, I can never be bored anywhere. I am always studying and looking at, um, I'm always looking up new experiences, new destinations, new everything travel related out there. I travel a lot. And when I do, I am literally out there every day trying out something new, whether it's diving down somewhere or in the sky doing something or, you know, <clears throat> and just asking several questions, building all these relations. So I create these packages very, very easily because of my product knowledge of a lot of these destinations. I am very aware of even the latest restaurant that has just opened in Dubai or Mombasa or Zanzibar. Um, I follow a lot of the of that content. I so I love curating these packages for people. So, and I literally get so excited every time you know we, we get a booking for a group of twenty going to celebrate their fortieth. I'll know exactly how I'm going to put it all together for them. Yeah, so it's this the product knowledge. Um, you know my. My time in uh, working with the airline also helped because then I know exactly um, how the airlines work, how they price this and that. I know exactly how to work with them to get the best deals. Um, you know, I know what their limitations are. You know, so it's, it's just quite easy for me to put together an all-inclusive package because I've been on both sides and I've been to several of these places and understand them really well. But most important, I really... I think I have really understood or mastered the Ugandan travel consumer, how they consume travel, you know, how they understand it. Juxtapose the Ugandan consumer and the African travel consumer. Are we where we need to be as consumers of travel? We're absolutely not in a good place. We're in a better place <laughs> than when I just started. So what, one of the terrible things about the Ugandan consumer is we are very last minute. That is one. Two, we absolutely don't pay attention to detail. 
We're very laser fair, you know, and just very last minute. I mean, you've seen, I mean, we're, we're there hitting potholes every day. We do what we're like, ah, uh, you know, even when people strike, it will be like for only up to like 11, then they're tired, they'll leave. So we're not extreme people. We're not. So what, what am I saying? People who are not very detail oriented or stressed about things, right? it's always like, ah, it's fine. You know, yes, we're traveling in December, but we'll plan it later. It's, you know, it's just a holiday. It's never that serious. And then also last minute people. I mean, I remember when I just started putting out uh, packages with install- monthly installment amounts, you know, let's say in February, I would release Christmas packages. And what if I get sick? What if I get fired? What if I die? Ah, my goodness. I mean, people would actually ask, what if I die? So the, the, the point is you can see that the mentality that they have, right? And so correcting that, it has been quite a journey. But we have really, really come a long way. We now have so many people paying in installments. And I don't mean just to us. There's a, a lot of other travel companies that are doing that now. Um, what, what does that do? Of course, every business, like you prefer for people to pay a one-off amount. It makes it so much easier. But you see, there are very few people that can afford to do that. So if you have, if you find ways of people paying $100 a month towards their trip, then very many people will be able to do that. Very many people will be able to travel. And then guess what? Once someone has traveled once, my goodness, you have them like they are going to want to travel again and again and again and again. And, and that's it. Like you'll have broken that seal. You know, we have, we have a NESA wallet, what we call a NESA wallet, a travel wallet. People just um, pay. They just have standing debit orders even before they've decided what um, destination they want to go to. So we are getting there, but we're still way behind, for example, Kenyans, South Africans. We still have a long way to go. But I'm still impressed by how far we've come either way. Visas are such a huge discussion on the continent right now. What impact do visas have on the packages you create and the places you're able to take your clients? It is such a huge prohibitive thing. It, is, it, it's, it hinders. Let, let me put it to you this way. Many Ugandans would rather go back to Dubai many times than try other destinations. Because with Dubai, even if it requires a visa, it's just... You just you just send your a copy of your passport um, biodata page and that's it. You don't have to be interviewed anywhere or submit whatever documents. So that's why it will always be popular. So you notice we advertise so many destinations, but despite how much we do, Dubai is still sixty percent or more of what we sell. Can you imagine? Right. We have been really hoping that, uh, for example, uh, South Africa. It's been, there's been these rumors that uh, the, the visa is going to be waived. And once that happens, like what has happened in Kenya, theirs was recently um, waived. And now it, you'll, you'll find that it will literally rise. And now Dubai, it will become like 60-40. Like it won't, it won't be as, as bad as it is now. People really, really dread visa processes. It's very tedious. The, we, the documents that you have to hand in, um, the way they treat us at these v, VFS offices, these visa embassies, visa offices, it's just terrible. Um, yeah, it, it has really hindered a lot. I think I've, I've explained that. It's literally the reason why Dubai is the most popular. Yes, it's an exciting destination, but uh, yeah. Um, very many people get denied visas to the US, to Europe, we had a group trip this year in September to Europe and 50% were denied visas. 
And uh, so what we do when you get denied your visa, your deposit is, is moved to another destination of your choice. So many of them then opted for Thailand, which is easier. Um, South Africa, yes, it's tedious. But once your documents have been accepted and what you rarely ever get rejected, they'll live in court like as travelers, they'll actually call us and say um, this, this, that your client is missing these documents or the hotel has not responded to us. And then we make sure that that happens. <sighs> yes. So visa is such a horrible, horrible, horrible experience <laughs> for us. What impact did the COVID-19 pandemic have on your business? COVID, I think, was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me, business-wise. And, you know, I'll never forget, the airport closed on March 22nd, and we had a group of over 150 people going for a destination wedding on the 27th, and they had fully paid everything. The next month was Easter. We had over five groups, no, over 10, several, but I mean like the the main uh, scheduled calendar groups that we advertise were about four and then so many private ones and fully paid or more than 50% paid. And they were all demanding for their deposits. And the airlines didn't even know what to tell us. Remember, it hit everyone very suddenly. And so none of their processes, procedures, policies and everything had ever prepared them for anything like this. So it was terrible. I think I experienced my first panic attack during that period. Like I, I didn't... It, it was terrible. But um, I had a very good team. I still do. I have a very good team. And uh, together, we all managed to pull ourselves together and just come up with uh, ways to communicate everything, to solve everything financially. Um, and then very, very quickly, we actually just pivoted to domestic tourism um, and very many people actually started to divert their their uh, deposits and things like that uh, and interests to domestic tourism. I remember we were the first travel company and in, at that time, because uh, I remember roads were now allowed to move around and, and hotels opening and everything by July. And by that time, we were extremely ready. We even had a calendar. I'll never forget. We had a calendar starting from July. And our first uh, trip was Fort Porto, and then we did Mburu and this, and we had costas and costas of people um, traveling, and everyone would wonder like how we did it. But it was because during that time, instead of stressing and everything, we just channeled all our energy, and you know finding solutions. We came up with these amazing um, group trips for within Uganda, and it worked. It kept us sane, but it was difficult. The negotiations with landlords and and everything. So that's the difficult part. But from there, we actually strengthened our domestic tourism department, right? Um, why I said the best part, I had never, ever um, envisioned owning a hotel or running a hotel or renovating a hotel or being involved in the hotel industry. You know, I just, it was never on my radar. Well, then during COVID, um, somehow, Oh, I found myself with my partners and uh, getting involved in a, a, a beautiful hotel in Embar. But yes, so now we have this beautiful hotel that um, came into our possession and we had to renovate. That was actually very challenging, but exciting. All this was a huge, super duper distraction. Like it kept me sane because now I would actually wake up thinking of solutions and, and um, you know, we have to do this, you have to create this, you have to get this from here and there. It was 
a very exciting period of my life, by the way, because it was very new and just, you know, different. Um, shortly after renovating, uh, it's called hotel. It's called Acacia Hotel, a very beautiful property in Embarra. Um, shortly after that, uh, when that was then stable, moved on to one in, in Markson called Sambia. River Lodge, um, uh, a contract to do the renovations and the marketing and, and everything. And that was very exciting. So I'd actually go to Maxim Falls and spend about three months on end. But um, yes, so I enjoyed that part. And now we're actually um, in the midst of that. Um, Uganda Wildlife Authority advertised concessions. We applied and we actually won one of the bids. Um, to run one of their uh, properties in in, in uh, Queen Elizabeth in West, we're actually constructing that. So it's going to be a thirty bed uh, property. We'll probably add more later. Uh, budget to mid. I actually really believe um, in. I just I just like getting people to travel. <laughs> I, I I feel so terrible when I meet people who just haven't. When I say travel, I mean even to Ginger everywhere. We sell everything. Just go on holiday. So with this project, I'm very passionate about creating a beautiful, very beautiful lodge right in the middle of the park with animals walking through um, that will be very affordable, very good value for money, very, very experiential, just like we did with Sambia. None of that existed before March 22nd, 2020, before COVID. So you can imagine. So that's what I mean by it's been both. Good and bad. Now, I don't even know how to say the bad. There's no bad because even the team strengthened. I strengthened as a person because now, you know, if we survived that, then I had never had to go through a, 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 to, to pivot like that. Like we really had to pivot manually, like steering a very hard wheel. What are some of the challenges in your industry? You see, no matter how much the private sector does, if the, the government is not working hand in hand with the private sector or taking tourism seriously, then it will always be, there'll always be so many challenges. We're always, it's like, we're just always fighting, you know, even just with business, the, 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 the number, like the things that are imposed on us and that we have to work with all the time, it's just a constant, um, a constant struggle. Yes, so so that that is one big factor. Back to you know the economy, we're we're generally a very very low income. You know, I don't want to say poor. Poor sounds terrible, but remember, we sell such a leisure luxury product. By the time someone thinks of travel, then everything else is correct in their lives. You know, um, so we are at the very top. We are the very last thing someone will consume. So you can imagine. Now it's already one a very small country. And then um, with very many people earning less than, you know, and so, so it's, it's such a small market. It's a very, very small market. Um, yeah. So that, that is, that is quite a challenge, but um, so that is why right now we focus so much on um, making travel more affordable, more accessible, just different payment plans. We're working with the banks. Um, we're actually currently working with one of the banks to see how to, do, to give out travel loans, you know. So someone just has to pay. We actually already launched it. It's, you know, still in the trial phase. Someone just has to pay their first installment. And when they, when they return from their travels, they pay the rest of their installments, five installments, basically. So this is just to make it more affordable, uh, you know, for that's what we can do. Any changes you would like to see? I'd like to see a more 
active, passionate, dynamic, informed team and the Ministry of Tourism and UTB. I know that I know that they're doing their best. Um, so I think it's just more the government focusing more on tourism. You know, um, we need bigger budgets. We just need better campaigns. We just need to work smarter. You know, we're being left behind like crazy. Our neighbors are, we're nowhere near them now. You know, it just seems to get worse and worse every year. Yet We should at least be making some strides. But what other changes? Just people embracing travel more, you know, which, like I've said, they're already doing. So I guess more and more. What does the expansion plan for Chavaneza look like? I've never really given inbound tourism a, a, a lot of attention and not, not intentionally. I've just been so focused on growing what we had at that time. Like, so growing the domestic tourism, growing the outbound is what we call it. Ugandans going out there, outbound tourism. And then now with the, the hotel side of it, right? So it's been quite hectic. But uh, one of my main uh, focus areas next year is going to be on inbound. So we are already in talks with the uh, key markets, which have not been tapped into, you know, to get tourists in. We are in the process of uh, building a fleet of vehicles. I think uh, you've already seen the the lovely one that we've just gotten. We've got uh, two on the way. We <clears throat> So all that is... is um, is in line with 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 growing the inbound um, tourism department, right? So that is one of the the growth uh, areas. Another uh, growth area is uh, in tech. So we are finalizing with a website that we've been working on for a year. You know, that is going to be uh, 100% uh, e-commerce. Um, it will be able to showcase all our all our holidays. Uh, people will actually be able to go on and uh, save, like uh, be able to make direct payments on the Neza wallet, and in real time be able to see their deposits. Um, you'll be able to get messages in real time. Be able to log into your account on the website and see all your transactions. Be able to use your savings from the wallet to actually pay for a trip directly on the website without even contacting us. We are also partnering with uh, one of the ticketing um, distribution companies here to provide direct um, flights on the website. So uh, to be able to have a travel cut, as I'm calling it, and you'd be able to move from book your flight to book your hotel directly, book your experiences. We're going to have a page with experiences. Experiences means Wherever you're in the world, whatever tour you want to do, you want to go on a submarine tour, you want to go on a, do a jet ski, wherever you are, you'd be able to go on that page, click whichever destination, book it and be able to, you know, have it in the cart and just pay directly. And all that will actually be done by March latest. And where do you see Laura in the next five years? So over the next three years, right? So to answer the five years, I have to first, you know, talk about that part. I, I'm focusing on building a very strong team. We're expanding rapidly, and so I have to concentrate on the human resource of the business so that in five years, I am able to, I'll have taken a step back, definitely not living in the city, definitely, and um, <clears throat> just be able to oversee the hotel side of things, um, you know, the travel nasa side of things, is just so much growth coming that I will just still be the Laura Travelnezer. 
<laughs> yeah. There's just so much, so much, so much to do. I think I'm only going to slow down in like in 10 years because I mean, we're constructing and constructing and constructing. It's going to be construction for the next five years, then growing these low hotels, then, you know, running the fleet of, you know, the, the vehicles, the, the, I have to go, I have to, I have to attend more expos if you want to get inbound tourism. Um, so I just, I'm just not about to slow down, but I will work with a team. Um, I work very well with my team, but I need to grow it. And actually, that's one of the challenges. Finding very good people is, is, is not that easy. Finding people trained in the leisure holidays side of it. Most, uh, most travel agencies here focus a lot on corporates, on corporate, like just doing tickets or, you know, um, very heavy on safaris. Finding exactly what I want for a, a travel neza travel consultant is is so i've resorted to finding uh working with people who are passionate about travel and then just training them on their the more technical side of it you know just basically creating the person that that we need um and it will it will pay off so i'm basically building the team that was laura kagame ceo of travel neza and a quick look at the market. The market segment is powered by the developer Bank of Rwanda. We empower you. The Johannesburg Stock Exchange Share Index traded more than 1% higher, around 75,540 on Thursday, the second consecutive day of gains amid growing assurance that interest rates worldwide will decrease in the next year. Traders are maintaining their focus on the trajectory of interest rates while closely monitoring the latest corporate updates as earnings season approaches its conclusion. On the corporate front, Fashion retailer Mr. Price Group surged to the top of the index, jumping more than 10% after saying it expects improved performance in the second half of the year, following a 9.3% decline in half-year profit. And a quick trip around Africa. Rampant crime in South Africa is costing the country at least 10% of its GDP annually and exacerbating already stark income inequality. This is according to a World Bank study. One in five households are affected by crime each year, while companies are contending with high security costs. This is according to the lenders' researchers in their Safety First, the Economic Cost of Crime in South Africa report. Informal businesses which have seen this key to reviving the moribund economy and creating jobs are particularly exposed to the crime scourge and most can't afford to take preventative action. On average, 76 people are murdered in South Africa each day. This is according to data released by the police last week. And attacks on tourists have made international headlines. The World Bank found that South Africa's growth potential could increase by about 1% if businesses could invest part of what they spend on security in productive ventures. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit the website that is the kfinancial.com and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial and you can find me at Withadong.